Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Garrett, and me, Father David Pelican, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Men of the Hearts podcast. I don't, I don't know if people know, uh, we've been saying Men of the Hearts, and I've been getting asked lately, what does that mean? Well, it's Men of the Hearts of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus Christ. That's right. And the two come together, and our heart should be in between them. Correct, Father David? Amen. They sh- I would tell them to go listen to our first podcast, but it's kind of, we were noobs. We didn't know what we were doing back then. Uh, but yes, we, uh, we, we started it. Did we record our first episode on the Feast of St. John Eudes? Yes, we did. There was a, there was a connection there, right? And it was on yes. Facebook, too, I think. Yes, and he talks about the, the union of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and that we're supposed to make our hearts like theirs and kind of put them right up between them and share in that love that they, they mirror to each other, so... It's beautiful, men, man. men after the heart, uh, sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. That's uh, that's the inspiration. And there's a little piece, Father Craig, that you uh, always talk about uh, with Sacred Heart Seminary, and uh, and uh, the Sacred Heart of Jesus and kind of the immaculate heart of Mary leading us to uh, Jesus. And so sometimes, you know, if the vocations office is especially dedicated to the Blessed Mother. Then it's kind of to Jesus through Mary for men uh, discerning a vocation. Amen. So. That's well thought out, Father David. Well, well, I can't take credit for that one. That was, oh, that was okay. you, your, your brainchild. Well, very good. Today we have a very special guest. I, I was in the seminary with this priest for almost my whole time. Um, he loves coffee. He loves it a lot. Wow. <laughs> he uh, is a pastor now, and we were just talking about eight years now at, at his parish. We have on Father Paul Schneider. So welcome, Father Paul. How are you doing? Thank you, Father Craig. Thank you, Father David. So great to be here. And um, I'm doing great. Life is good. A lot to be grateful for. You know. Amen. Do you still love coffee? I love coffee a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> I, like it a lot? <laughs> it, it allows me to function at the capacity I need. You know, prayer and coffee, It God's grace and and caffeine. Yeah, wasn't yeah. it Bishop Sheen that had a whole thing about drinking coffee before prayer? The average American uh, should have coffee before any really major activity, every functional activity. Yeah, makes That's sense. Right. <laughs> I like so that. Before I, you know, operate heavy machinery or celebrate a sacrament, we should have. Coffee. <laughs> yeah, heavy machinery or a sacrament. I like it. Got your bases covered. Nice. Yeah. Good. And how are you doing, Father David? I'm doing well. Yeah. This is. Uh, it's been a great month at Divine Child, too. We've, we kind of said goodbye to all the students. Uh, we had the graduations for high school and eighth grade. They do eighth grade graduations now. Do they do that at St. Mary's Road? too? Yeah. yeah. This past yeah, very, last week. Very nice. So all the kids are, are officially on summer break now, and we can kind of breathe a little bit uh, more freely at the parish, And uh, but already starting to plan for next year. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we get into your vocation story, why don't you share like some of the blessings going on in your life and at the parish? I'm sure there's a lot of good things that you could talk about. So many good things, um, so much grace. We're a young parish at St. Mary, so we have celebrated weddings almost every weekend since Easter. Wow. wow. And um, we had confirmation and first communion. We just had graduation and then the last day of school and culminated with um, Corpus Christi this last weekend, and we consider that 
really a great and major feast for our parish, and we had a beautiful procession, and the rain held off, and it was beautiful. And That's so awesome. God's grace, Mary, uh, her intercession so that everything went beautifully. And do you have perfect. a canopy? We do. Canopy okay, and nice. plenty of plenty of servers and um, first communicants with rose petals paving the way for Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. You know, that's around awesome. the campus yep. and um, a great celebration, amazing music. It's a great celebration for our parish. Yeah. We love it. When, when you do it, how, how do you, how does the neighborhood react? I mean, what is their expression as you're walking around like that? Because it is in the neighborhood. You're in Royal Oak. Yeah, right? we're right. We're right around the the campus that we go and people people stop and and they're looking and because um, it's beautiful. Mm. Um, I always think that moves people. Yeah, you know that's something that's deep in you know my heart that um, you know God is God is one. God is true. God is good. God is beautiful. And one of the things I think is so important is to help people encounter the Lord, and they can encounter the Lord through beauty. And they encounter the Lord, we encounter the Lord through truth, and we encounter the Lord through goodness, but those are a little bit more threatening. Mm. You know, truth means we need to open our minds to what is true and means we often need to change. Mm. And goodness, when we see someone really good, it can often cause us to evaluate how we live our lives. Mm-hmm. But beauty amazes us, mm. you know, and beauty moves our hearts. And that really can soften our hearts and our minds to be open to the grace of God, maybe in places we haven't before. Mm. So as we process through the street with Jesus and there's, there's singing and there's instruments and there's, you know, kids who are joyful and they're, we're throwing rose petals in front of Jesus so that to pave the way for him. And um, there's incense and everyone is, uh, has an opportunity to see something really beautiful move through our streets. You know, as the Mm. Lord himself moves through our streets, you know. And even if someone looks at it with curiosity, um, you don't know what graces are happening in there, you know. Yeah, that's really awesome. I truly believe beauty can bring people to God because it certainly brought me to God. Um, Me too. Yeah. Don't you have an art background? I do. uh, Graphic design. Okay. Art background and marketing background, those two together. And so I think because of that, you know, God has always spoken to me through through beauty, whether I realized it or not. That's something I really keep in my mind as a, a parish priest, that how can the encounter on Sunday be really beautiful? Mm. Because if it's, if it's beautiful, then our hearts are open to God at work in our lives, maybe in, maybe in a little bit more receptive way, yeah. you know? So with the liturgy being beautiful or the music being beautiful, um, how can we use those in really as a gift we give to God so that other people might encounter Him? Well, not only that, even the, the sacred space and what you create. And I know you've done a little bit of renovation over there, and it's mm-hmm. just beautiful. And I've celebrated Mass there in, in before it was renovated uh, and after, and it's just it's a big difference. You can see when you walk in, you're like, okay, there's something here that just brings me closer to God. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, the... We were very full um, on Sunday, and the sanctuary, the church space, had been um, kind of condensed a bit, maybe at some earlier time in the parish history, and the altar brought out more into the space, which meant a lot of carpet and things like that that were uh, put into place that 
because we needed more space, because people were sent moving up to the choir loft to, for extra seating. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple years ago, we were able to um, move the altar back into the original sanctuary. We polished up all the marble. Mm-hmm. Someone gave us a really generous donation. We polished up all the beautiful Italian marble floors, mm. you know, and all inlaid marble. And, um, and there's more seating. And uh, the choir went to the space their architect originally designed for it which allows you the sound just to move over you, mm-hmm. you know, and... Well, not only really that, too. Nothing seems out of place. I mean, it was whatever it was needed at the time to create that other space, you know, carpet wasn't originally thought of when the, the parish was sure. built. And, you know, you have beautiful marble and different things, stained glass window. You don't mm-hmm. need much other than that. No. I mean, you have, of course, God and, and the Most Holy Eucharist there that makes the beauty come out, but... You know, you have something beautiful. It can speak volumes. We just let the architect's vision speak for itself yeah. with the building. Yeah, amen. You know, we had some, um, a year ago, we had some uh, vandalism. Someone uh, broke in and seriously damaged a statue of Mary. And just in God's providence, um, one of our young adult Bible studies uh, was meeting right across the street, called me right away. The police were notified. You know, the uh, gentleman who did it was got some help, and um, the statue was able to be restored, which is amazing. I didn't think it would be. Mm. But our response was, oh, well, if someone, you know, dishonors their churches to honor the Blessed Virgin Mary, well, we just need to, you know, honor her all the more and glorify Mm. God all the more. So we made a chapel space for the statue. We dedicated a a Mary garden outside where people can come and pray. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that's going to be our response to some unfortunate incident. We're not going to, um, you know, let it cause us to have, you know, um, angry feelings inside. We're going to give God the glory. Yeah. I mean, this is a a dumb question, (laughs) but I think I know the answer to it. I mean, you're at St. Mary's. That's for the Blessed Mother, the right? Blessed it's not Virgin Saint Mary, Mary yes. Magdalene. No, nope, it's the Blessed. But Virgin it's interesting Mary. because a lot of times we never usually say Saint Mary. We always say Our Blessed Mother, mm-hmm. or we say Our Lady of Sorrows, or right. Our Lady of Counsel. We've adopted the Immaculate Conception as our parish feast day, so okay. that is mm-hmm. an again a great mm-hmm. celebration. One of my favorite feast us. days, That's December eighth. And uh, we we get to celebrate it. We have a big celebration outside, kind of like winter fast with you know, making s'mores and fire pits and hot cocoa and coffee for everyone. And um, that follows the evening mass. So that's, we always, we like to celebrate our feast days. I think Catholics know how to celebrate and we should uh, keep those days at celebration. More than just a holy day of obligation, more than just, oh, I need to go to mass. Mm -hmm. Like it's a day of feast day of celebration. Yeah. I would always say that like on a holy day of obligation at my parish and say something to the effect of, okay, you know, this is a feast day. Go home and get a Slurpee on your way home. And I'd have parents just shaking their head at me as we were walking out because they, they knew they had to stop at 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee for their kids. I think, I think that's great because they'll remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the priest told us we should have some fun. We should do something fun. Yeah. And then, you know, the kids are like, well, they hear that perfectly, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what awesome. makes the whole family celebrate. Yeah. That's great. That's Beautiful. great. Father David, what's been going on with you? I know you're getting ready for the big move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Actually, a big grace for us was our Corpus Christi procession as well. We, um, we usually do it up big. The rain didn't quite hold off for us. Sure. So, But we, we were able to quickly pivot, and just what we did is we just processed around with Jesus in the church. 
it was a pretty full church. And you know, we have a lot of aisles at Divine Child. So we went up and down every aisle and just stopped every couple pews and just blessed people. And it was kind of, you were talking about the image of like Jesus just walking. And that's really what it felt like. It was just Jesus walking by and like catching people's eye or they touching the hem of his garment. It was just, it was a beautiful moment. And uh, I mean, I was just watching the the faces of, of the people as I was processing with Jesus. And then as the other priests, because we kind of switched off. And you could just see someone very moved even to tears, you know, just some quiet prayerful music going on, some songs. Uh, it was just, it was a very beautiful moment of encounter. And I think it, it just, to me, it reminded me, uh, and we had lots of incense and lots of servers, you know, um, but it just reminded me of sometimes how simple it is to encounter God, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we overcomplicate it sometimes. It's like, just have that, create that that space, you know, that quiet space where people can just be with the Lord. And I think it was powerful just bringing him to them, you know, there was something about that. So that was a graced moment for me, uh, Corpus Christi, and uh, Father Bob le- graciously let me... Uh, celebrate the 1230 Mass and kind of lead and head up the procession afterwards. So that was, a, that was an honor for me. Yeah, because you're not going to be doing much of that uh, come next year. Yeah, probably not, huh? <laughs> be, be transitioning to other things, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. But that was, that's probably been the, the main grace on my mind uh, lately. So how about you, Father Craig? Uh, what's, uh, what's been going on with you this past month? Any, well, a lot of sickness with my family, um, but that's right. Uh, that's right. But you know, thank God, you know they're getting better, and mm-hmm. you know what modern medicine can do these days for people is is pretty amazing, and it's got me just thinking about, um, you know, I've been reading the letters of of Saint Paul actually, and uh, mm-hmm. just seeing that our moments of suffering can be moments of graces as well, mm-hmm. and that. Um, you know, Jesus never promised us that life is going to be super easy. Everything's going to go okay. Just be yourself. You know, you're fine. Mm. I'm fine. You know, don't trouble yourself. You know, it's it's pretty radical. And, and that if we take the time to really sit with the suffering or the pain that we're in and give it to the Lord, that um, amazing things can happen to us. Mm. And, and hopefully the Lord's love can really seep into our hearts. I think there's two reactions you can have to suffering or pain. It could be bitterness, mm. and so now you're just angry, um, and that doesn't make you feel better any, anymore. Right. You know, and I was reading a book that is sort of kind of was like that. The main character was just this bitter, bitter, awful mm. person mm. Uh, because he was wronged. Um, and I think the, the way Jesus went was, okay, I'm dying on the cross for these people. They're making fun of me as I'm dying on the cross for them, and yet I still have compassion for them because I'm doing my Father's will. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as we're doing the Father's will, even if we are suffering, that the Father does love us and, and that it can be transformative for us and be a way in which we grow in holiness, come closer to God, be ready for heaven, and be able to share that with other people as well. And I don't know if you've noticed this, um, either of you, like there's been times where I've been a little bit more vulnerable in my preaching and kind of shared a deep suffering that I had to go through. And I usually have some amazing conversations after Mass with some people Mm -hmm. because they can identify Mm -hmm. with that. Sure. I think people need to hear that, you know, 
suffering is in the world and it's not a consequence of not of God not loving us. God mm. does love us and he's meant to transform that suffering into eternal life which he gives us. Um, so I've just been thinking on that type of stuff. Yeah. And you standing up there using it in your preaching is I'm sure a sign of hope for people. Yes. You know, yeah. the sign of that um, in the place you're at, you know, God is there too. You know, I always try to remind myself there's no time apart from God's grace, you know, and God's grace isn't in the imaginary like if only, you know, that we mm-hmm, fill in the blank, if mm-hmm. only, if only someone wasn't sick or if only this didn't happen, you know, we, I kind of think I say sometimes when I do that, it's like, well, God's grace would be there and I have to remind myself, well, God's grace is right here, you know. So like mm. in the moment I'm in or whatever suffering I'm going through, whatever difficulty, or however I might kind of be tempted to say, if only I didn't have to, and I remind myself, God's grace is right here, and this mm-hmm. is where he, he's at, mm-hmm. you know? Because he's not in some sort of imaginary situation. I put my mind where that everything is in my mind per- easier or perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, too. It's just even thinking as I read through the Acts of the Apostles and just how sick Paul was all the time, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, you know, if he can do it, I can do it, too, depending on what's going on in my own life. Um it doesn't have to stop us from loving God. Even even the yeah. same with Job. We've been reading that, of course, in the right. breviary for the last couple of weeks of just, you know, good and bad comes to good people. Uh, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us, and, and he can transform that. And then in the midst of all of that, too, I, uh, I actually went to that uh, spiritual direction class, and it was really oh, yeah. good. I really liked it, and it was about more of just what it means to have a relationship with God in prayer and then as a spiritual director to be in relationship with each other and to look at their relationship with God and that the center of it is always Jesus. Not that I didn't know that, but you know, sometimes we can just be in the habit of, oh, you come to me with a problem and I'm going to try to fix it for you. I'm going to try to Mm. give you an answer where sometimes people don't even want an answer. They just want to have someone walk through that with them and and I don't know it was a really good time to just be away and pray a little bit more and uh, uh, really get some good information so I was happy about that that's awesome that's great that's awesome yeah. also Father uh, Craig came and preached at Divine Child on vocations for a weekend and that was that was very beautiful a lot of people uh, a lot of people were like he lives here we didn't know that <laughs> we should have him out here more often so they really well, liked i think it spoke to a lot of people and i think you even even in that homily you were a bit vulnerable just about you know just the reality that we go through hardships and hope in jesus in that and a lot of people that really resonated with them so. yeah yeah well, it was funny too is like you said a lot of people don't know i live there yeah and because i had some artwork in the high school show they saw yeah. a different father and they're like who's his father and then this one lady came up to me, and she's like, I didn't know you lived here. I go, yeah, if you ever see a blue truck, that's me. And she goes, you're the one that drives fast in the parking lot. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> Guilty sometimes. I don't think I go too fast. I mean, what are you supposed to drive in a parking lot? Five miles, ten miles an hour? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'm looking at where I'm going. Just don't hit the people, you know? That's, <laughs> that's the main thing. Or the curbs. Yeah. Or, or the <laughs> curbs. <or> the curbs. <laughs> well, Father Fall, right. it's, it's, you're here so that you can kind of share with us how you were led to the priesthood, what was going on. So however you want to tell it, we'd love uh, to hear. 
Sure, let me think. Uh, I always think it's hard to begin, and then it's easier when you get into it, but um, grew up in a, I would call, um, practicing Catholic family, you know, in Livonia. I have two sisters, one older, one younger. They still live in the area. Um, family went to church on Sundays. But when I think back, what one of the things that really um, I see as an inspiration now was um, the faith of my grandparents, especially my mom's parents. And for them, there was um, a, deep, a deep connection. Like, they wouldn't have used the words, like, a personal relationship. But that definitely what it is what it was. And Jesus and Mary were just part of their lives, mm. you know. And f- for me, growing up, it was, you know, connected with, with culture. And um, my mom's family is Italian. And um, just the devotion that they had. Um, and I said to my sister one time, do you ever remember a time when our great-grandma, do you ever remember a time when great-grandma wasn't praying, when she wasn't saying the rosary ever? Like mm. at a table talking with, you know, talking with family, in her chair in her room, like always praying, always praying. And we knew she was always praying for us, mm. you know. And Jesus and Mary were, um, I, I, I'm going to say it this way, Jesus and Mary were real people, you know, yeah. and not just something distant, you know. And I saw that growing up, and um, after I uh, went away to college, I went to Eastern Michigan for uh, graphic design and marketing. Those things always kind of resonated in me. And on my own, um, there was time just to have silence and pray. A lot of people don't do that when they go to college. And I say it this way, I don't always know that I would stop into church to pray. I passed it along the way from, from classes but maybe for some quiet, mm. and in the quiet and the silence, and it was a beautiful space, a beautiful church, you know, I could stop in and just sit there in the dark and have some silence, and I did pray, you know. Um, and I think of it now, and it's like, oh, every day I was stopping in for a few minutes, and I was in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And although I knew that, it wasn't always at the forefront of my mind, you know, what I was doing on a regular basis, you know. And the first time I ever really thought about priesthood was at the end of my time in college. And it just was something that was like in my mind once in a while. And I didn't really know what to do with it. You know, it was like, oh, that's an interesting thought. And I kind of thought, um, I thought it was an interesting thought. But I thought if God, that's what God really wanted, I wouldn't have been on this path. I was about ready to graduate, Mm -hmm. you know, and... um, I was like, well, wouldn't I have known this a long time ago, you know? Mm. And so I kind of said half-heartedly to God, um, well, if this is what you want, like, and um, you'll, you'll let me know somehow, like, I won't, I won't get a good job or, or it, mm. things won't work out or something like that. No one really ever taught me to ask what God wanted. So I was just kind of doing what I wanted through life. You mm-hmm. know? And I did. I got a good job out of college. Mm-hmm. And um, working for an uh, independent company, and our clients were GM and Chrysler. And so I did a lot of fun work for the auto industry. I got to travel a bit around the United States doing, fo- you know, art directing photo shoots and doing stuff for whether it was the auto show here in Detroit or, you know, um, L.A., Chicago, even. I mean, I didn't go to Tokyo for the auto show, but produced materials for it, you know, for the Tokyo auto show. And all this preparation, and it was successful. And I made good money, and I had a house, and, like, my dad always taught me to be really prepared in life. So 
I was very prepared in life. I had a mm. good retirement account and all this stuff, right? And I began to just get unsettled a bit. And the unsettlement was, wow, I have, I have all these things I was always told would make me happy, but I'm not, or there's something missing. You know, I had good friends, there were people in my life, like, but there's just kind of, it was being unsettled. Mm. And I thought like, wow, is this, is this what life is about? You know, is this what the rest of my life is going to look like? And that actually led me to prayer, you know. Hmm. Um, I never stopped practicing my faith, um, uh, even, you know, on my own. You know, going to Mass on Sunday, um, you know, pray, praying, I did pray. Um, but not to the depths that kind of that spot that I was in there, kind of a dark spot, led me. And I was living in actually the Royal Oak area, and I would go to um, Shrine was my parish. And I would go to the Adoration Chapel at Shrine, and I would pray because I didn't really know what to do. And I felt pretty lost, you know. And so I would just spend time in Adoration and spend time in the chapel and um, end up starting going to daily Mass, you know, at 6.30 in the morning before work. And it it centered my day, you know. Mm -hmm. And Monsignor uh, Bill Easton was there at the time, and he would... I, he was a great preacher for longer homilies, but he had these great, like one or two liner homilies for 6.30 morning mass mm. that would stick in my head during the day. Mm. And it was helping to orient my day, you know. And um, b- between the prayer and asking where the Lord was leading me and mass in the morning, I didn't even like intend to set out to do that. Um, it just, I don't know, I don't want to say it just kind of happened, but it seems like it just kind of happened. And I woke up one morning and I realized I've never in my whole life gotten up at 5.30 in the morning for anything before, like consistently. Like if I had to do the, get early for work or something like that on an occasion, maybe, but this was consistent. I'm like, how, what, what does this mean? And <laughs> then I, I began in my prayer, that thought of priesthood came back again. And this time I I would say I paid attention to it. Yeah, what was the prayer like? I mean, what were you doing when you were in adoration or after Mass? I mean, like, especially that first part when you're like, I don't know what this means yeah, and what I'm supposed to be doing. I think first I was like, Jesus, like, I need some direction, you know? I think first part was, Jesus, I need some direction. Or, um, Jesus, what do you want me to do with my life, you know? Um, Jesus, is this, is, this what I, is this what life's about? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Because it didn't seem like that was now what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and so I think my prayer was, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Hmm. And that was the first part of my prayer. And then the thought of priesthood came back, and I just was confused by it again. I was like, well, like, kind of like the wouldn't I have known, like wouldn't I have known, wouldn't, wouldn't that have all made sense all along, you know, mm-hmm. um, the the priest I heard from or knew, um, you know, before maybe like preaching at church or whatever, it was something like they always knew, and that wasn't my case, mm-hmm. you know. You didn't play mass as a kid. No, no, maybe, maybe once. School? No, I didn't go to Catholic school. Okay. Seminary was the first time I ever went to Catholic school. Same with me. No. Same with me <laughs> so, um, and you know, maybe playing mass with the with the kid neighbor kids, you know, who weren't Catholic, so we were telling them what to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
But that wasn't like a usual habit. I wasn't like, I was never an altar server, never involved in youth group, you know, Same never went on mission trips Same or anything like me. that, mm -hmm. you know. And here I am in my, in a, as an adult, as, an, as a young adult, and saying like, Lord, what's life all about, you mm -hmm. know. That was like for me too, but I was broke and you were rich. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Richer. Richer, not rich, no. But, but I think that just led me to, to spending time with Jesus. And I think that's where something clicked. It was like, oh, the, the last time I had that thought of priesthood was in college when I was stopping by church all the time, mm. you know? And it made the connection. And I was like, and it made sense. Like, it actually kind of made sense. It made sense enough that I could um, take the idea as somewhat serious or, or credible or maybe that God, maybe that could actually be from God, not just my own mind working. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I prayed about it for a while. And I didn't really even know where to go to with that. Um, but I just kind of turned that over for a while and continued, continued praying and... Um, Finally, it was um, it was Christmas, and I, I this is one of the very few times that like I would say like I quote heard God. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that very I think that happens now. I know that happens through reading the scriptures or through maybe the words of a faithful friend. You know, I'm like, oh, those are more than just his words. So that's important to listen to that. Or the words of the scripture will stand out to me now. But this is one of the few times in my life where I, I would say like. Something like I heard or felt something that I knew wasn't me. And it was at midnight mass at Christmas, and just the words were, what more are you waiting for? And it just kind of caught me because I knew I didn't imagine. I had great confidence I didn't imagine that. It wasn't just mm -hmm. me imagining those things. And so after that, I talked to one of the priests at Shrine, and I kind of just wanted the affirmation that I just made this up. You know, so I, I met with them. I, I probably kind of did something that, um, like, caught him in the sacristy after Mass. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, can we talk sometime? And he said, how about now? And I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I just told him, like, yeah, d just tell me I I'm making this stuff up so I can, like, just move on or whatever. And he's like, no, I don't think you're making that up. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do now? And he said, well, um, he talked about like discernment, and he said there was a discernment week coming up. And I said, I know I saw it in the bulletin. It's, it was a January one, so it's like it's. And I named the date. And he goes, If you already know the date, it means you should go. Hmm. And so, and I, I said, Okay, you know. And so, Father uh, Jim Bilo was the vocation director at the time, and I emailed him or whatever, and um, must have emailed him, and got a call back, and and I went, and. Um, and, you know, I think if we talk about discernment, I went on the January weekend, um, and then discernment began in a, in a new, different way because um, I went on the weekend. I really felt confidence that um, by this point, if I, especially after that experience at Christmas, if I didn't do something, I would always have this question. Like, mm. what if? Like, what if you were really supposed to be a priest? Like, what if this is really what God wanted for you? What if this would, is what you're made for? What if this was, would make you happy? You know, and so by that point, I, I had that question. I went on the discernment weekend. Mm -hmm. I discerned to apply 
and was accepted. And Which is um, a great feat in, in what other guys don't necessarily think about, that when the church accepts you as a seminarian, I mean, that's a big confirmation because it, it is. just because you want to apply doesn't mean that you're going to make it into the seminary. And then I had a house, and I knew I couldn't keep that and just at the same time I needed to figure out what to do. And the, this was another confirmation for me. And the, the, the housing market, it was 2006, and the housing market had already mm-hmm. gotten to a point where it wasn't great. I'm like, well, I've got to see if this house sold, sells. So I was accepted at the beginning of May, and I put up the house for sale pretty quickly after that. And I was um, praying through the intercession of St. Anthony. He's my confirmation saint. Today is the feast of St. Anthony. I know. And that's my patron saint as well. Is it your patron saint as well? My middle name. My middle name. All of us. So confirmation saint, patron, I'm praying through his intercession. And no bids on the house until I get a call on June 12th from my realtor saying, (laughs) you've got a buyer for your house. They, They love it. They want it. And I remember it was like, oh, St. Anthony worked it all out. Mm-hmm. So, and they want everything in the house. They, <laughs> they, they're ready. They want to take the house. They're ready. Um, they're excited. And so the household, St. Anthony helped sell my house. Amen. And entered the seminary in the fall of 2000, 2006. And, um, and yeah, just seminary was a, a beautiful place of, of discerning and having that opportunity to not discern on my own anymore like mm-hmm. because the seminary is discerning with the church you know like the church like and I, I had this real confidence that I kind of gave God a year okay like you're gonna let me know like in a year if this isn't right you'll lead me you know I trusted that like if the Lord had gotten me all this way I would like I had this confidence I would be okay like even if this wasn't mm-hmm. really what the Lord had for me I would be okay like, I, I like to, like, check off worst-case scenarios, you know? <laughs> I was like, okay, like, if I, um, if this didn't work, well, God's not going to, like, just abandon me for trying to do as well, you know? Mm. So mm-hmm. um, I'll be able to get a new job again. And I, I wouldn't be homeless because even though I wouldn't in my, like, later 20s want to move in back with my parents, like, I wouldn't be homeless, you know? Like, yeah. I, I, so I checked off, like, the worst-case scenarios, and I'm like, I had just great confidence that the Lord would, was just going to lead. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Because yeah, a lot of guys, I think, have that in the back of their mind for a very long time. And they just get to a point where it's not feasible anymore mm-hmm. or it's almost impossible. And, you know, sometimes, we, you know, we're given a choice and we have to make that choice. And we can miss that time. Right. You know, that is a reality. I think in hindsight, I think even well into seminary, and maybe they wouldn't like to hear this, but, like, I thought of it my vocation for far too long as a riddle I needed to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't have described it that then, but, like, I think I was afraid of disappointing God, so I was, like, I just didn't want to do the wrong thing. You know, because there's discernment. After you end a seminary, there's still discernment. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're there and you're discerning with the... There's a lot of the discernment. Church, there's it took a lot me of five years in the right. seminary right. to know. Right, mm-hmm. and... I think some guys think that once you enter, it means it's all figured out, you know. And um, the beauty of your discerning with the church, you have time to have a lot of the things that might distract you in life kind of away so you can study and pray, you know. And there are people in 
you're entrusted to and are entrusted to you to help you, spiritual director, formation director, you know, formation advisor. Um, and I do remember one point in seminary, and I was it was after a number of years where I thought, oh, I've been thinking about this too much as a riddle I need to figure out, a riddle I need to solve, instead mm. of a relationship with Jesus I just need to, like, wholeheartedly embrace. Yeah. You know, so the relationship was so much more than like figuring out what I'm supposed to do. And when I did that, that made it so much easier. Mm. I think a lot of guys sometimes think of it as a riddle they need to solve, like whether it's in seminary or before seminary or even just at those early stages of discernment, like you have to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Like I have to figure this out, you know. Almost like a math problem. Almost like a math problem. If not A, then B, or, you know. If if not A, then B, or um, if, you know, uh, if I don't do this, you know, almost like yeah. God can't work with yeah with, with, that, with us. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like I I have to, I'm all alone and I have to figure it out myself. And then you know, figure out this <laughs> secret trajectory that God has me on. But it's right. No, no. And yeah. it's not that like at that. all. A relationship. Yeah, and that's it. Following like, a person, right? Following that's, a person, yeah. and not uh, a riddle, a math problem, yeah. something to solve. Amen. Yeah. So what was going on in the seminary as far as, you know, you said you got to the first year and a couple of years into it, you realized it's not a riddle to be solved. So, like, what was the rest of seminary like once you got to that idea that Jesus is a real person? That was a bit easier because Mm. I think I entered into prayer a little easier. My prayer wasn't just what am I supposed to do, you know. Mm -hmm. It was, um, it felt a little more free. It felt a little more like just spending time with Jesus. You know, beautiful. Did you have any doubts after that, or was it still, you know, I still have to figure out if in this relationship, if God is leading me to the priesthood? Yes. Uh, I mean, there there were doubts that I needed to to work through. Um, My call to family life, you know, I love family. You know, Mm -hmm. I said that Italian background. You Mm -hmm. know, it makes me just love family so much. I now, you know, I. Being at a parish, especially with so many young families, it's so great. You know, I think of like at the ordinations the other week. I was um, we had a seminarian who was with us as an intern and then as a deacon and was just ordained. You know, mm. Father Richard Dorish, and so there were a decent number of people from St. Mary at the ordination mass. And after laying on of hands, as I went to my place in the group of priests to stand. Um, I heard uh, a scream of a, a little one, you know, <laughs> and my head snapped up, and I looked over, and I knew the dad and the baby. I'm like, I just thought, I knew that was one of my kids, you know, <laughs> and it mm-hmm. feels so good, right? Like, so the Lord shows you, or the, the where the Lord is, just another affirmation of, you know, the Lord puts you in a spot, and he gives you those things that your heart longs for, you know, yeah, and um, it's just in a different in different ways than maybe you yeah. expected, maybe than I thought of when I was discerning. You know, it's yeah. like I never expected to be at ordination mass in my head to look over and be like, "Oh yeah, that's one of mine." You yeah. know, yeah, that's beautiful. So, well, and that's something that you know I think we've heard in so many stories, Father Craig, of just just how like you know there is an element of giving stuff up when you become a priest, mm-hmm. but the Lord is so good and He gives it back like a hundredfold. Whether it's kind of the desires of your heart, maybe the gifts and talents that you have, the Lord just He uses all that. You know your your love for beauty. You know Father Craig's art. You know sure. it's just He 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 uses that all and uh, yeah, you give it to Him and He gives it right back in, in a Amen. beautiful way. So, yeah. 
it's always good to be reminded of that. Too, Amen. You know? Amen. Yep. <laughs> to remind each other of that, that wherever, wherever we're at, the Lord um, invites us to give ourselves back to him, and then he'll do the rest. You know, mm. he'll do the good. Yeah. Beautiful. So how have uh, the Lord used you, your gifts and talents over at the parish? So, like, what, what have you done that's kind of been like, yeah, this is, God's been working with me on this? I think um, just some of my, my, the things the Lord has blessed me with, or an interest, you know, like, like I said, uh, design and marketing were my background. I, the Lord has used, the Lord uses the marketing kind of aspect all the time. Mm. You know, um, how can we, um, how can we help people to um, encounter our message? You know, I mean, I, I, I say this, and I mean it in all of reverence. Like, the Catholic Church has the best product, I'll use that word, on earth, mm. the mm. fullness of truth of Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church. But we don't always market it so well, mm. you know? We don't always um, take a step to standpoint, like, where are people at? What? Where? How are people You want listening? to become Catholic? You can't do this, you can't do that, you have to do this, and you don't do that. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's often so, the, the perception or, or what, what they're presented with first, you know? So h- how how can we market ourselves better? Mm. How can we help people um, encounter what really is the truth? You know, we had the readings today. It was like, with, with Jesus, it, it's all a yes, right? Mm-hmm. You know? So it's not a bunch of do this, don't do that. It's, well, it's all, we're invited to all a yes, depending on how, um, uh, if we only see it that way. You know, mm-hmm. so giving up something but receiving something more, you know, or saying no to something because we get to say, we get to, if we choose, say yes to something better, mm-hmm. you know. And so helping people to see the yes to something better is a way that we market. If the neighborhood demographic, uh, like around St. Mary, is, um, is really a lot of young families, well, how are we engaging, connecting with our young families? Mm-hmm. You know, and how can the young families who are there engage and connect with other young families? Mm-hmm. Or St. Mary is um, rather fluid because a lot of young people are in transition in their lives, moving from college to work or moving from a place that's not Michigan to Michigan for work. And um, so if we know that, um, how can our website be really attractive so that someone moving to Royal Oak can look up a Catholic church if they want to? And it surprised me how many people actually do. Yeah. Like moving from, you know, moving from Seattle, moving from New York, or moving from, you know, Pennsylvania, and they're coming to Royal Oak, Michigan, and more people than you would think actually look for a Catholic church website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And because they want to find something... Um, they want to practice their faith because it grounds them, mm-hmm. you know, or it's something constant in their lives, you know. Um, and at all different levels of practicing faith, people actually check out the websites and of churches. And there's nothing worse <laughs> than in 2023 when you go on the parish website and look at things happening. You in see 2017. The two, <laughs> yeah, no, you see the 2008 <laughs> church picnic, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. So... Um, we, a friend of mine is an amazing photographer, and she knows how to photograph churches and, and really well. And I said, you know, for our website, I want everything 
to be of us. I don't want any stock photos, you know, that you mm-hmm. could get out of a, a you know free database yeah. or whatever. And so when someone looks on it and what they see is really what they get when they come there, even down to like maybe if you saw a photo of a baptism on our website, you might actually see those people at mass on some Sunday, you know, because yeah. of whatever mass you go to, you might you might encounter them. You'd be like, I recognize them from the website. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, um, what you see is what you get, and people have really responded to that really well. Yeah. So I look up at websites wherever I go yeah. if I'm gonna go get. Oh yeah. 100%. Just today I was looking at some new pizza downtown. I'm like, I went to the website first. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's what that's, we do these days. Awesome. It is. It is. And yeah. So just those kind of things, and and to have those things in my mind that the Lord wants to use the gifts he's given me for him. Yeah, and you yeah. said, you know, you, you really like uh, to be around the children and everything like that. And you have a, you have an elementary school. Have a school. Is it a K through 6 or a K, K through 8? K through 8. K through 8. So. With a very busy preschool as well. Okay, so. beautiful. Do you ever get a chance to be in the schools? Oh, yeah. What are some of the things I, that you do there? I lo- oh, you know, I love when I do get to go in and teach a bit because um, it's fun. I love having conversations with the students a lot, you yeah. know, because they, you just get to know them and they get to know you and you find out what's going on in their day and what's important to them. And then you can bring that up in preaching or whatever. Just get, you just know them better. Father, mm-hmm. who, who made God? Right. Exactly. Yeah. All yeah. the great questions. No, Father, who made God? <laughs> <laughs> so it's so, uh, it's just so, it's so good. And then, um, because I think the, one of the things the Lord also does in my life, is I love to get to know people. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you are extroverted, aren't you? Mm-hmm. No, I'm introverted. Really? I'm actually really. I could see that. You need your quiet time to I recharge. I definitely need my quiet yeah. time to recharge. With I coffee. love spending time with people with coffee. My quiet time with coffee. <laughs> Jesus and coffee. You know. Right, exactly. I should have one of those cups that says, you know, please don't speak yet. You know, like until, <laughs> until it gets to a certain level, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I definitely need my quiet time to recharge yeah. and my um, time to to be alone and time to be like, you know, with the Lord, but also in my own thoughts sometimes mm-hmm. just to kind of process things. Um, but I love spending time with people. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So, what can you maybe tell a man that's listening right now of maybe a pitfall in your life that you wish you would have knew better that you could tell someone don't make this mistake because could be a mistake for you and maybe like especially in discerning a relationship with the lord or something and then especially something that was very helpful as well and that you know forego doing this and you really need to do this instead one thing i would say is um to do spend time with lord in adoration you know spend Mm. time with have silence there's so many things that push on us and push the silence away from us so have time for silence spend time in adoration you know um that's where, you know, besides Mass, that's where we can strengthen and form that relationship with the Lord, you know, in a way where we let our heart speak to his heart, right? Mm-hmm. And we listen. Um, uh, I think the part about not to think about, the Lord hasn't placed a riddle in front of you. I said that earlier, but I think that's my, mm-hmm. would be my best piece of advice. I think too many guys think that it's a, a riddle they have to figure out on their own. They don't have to figure it out on their own, you know. That, think of how alone that makes you feel or burdensome. I have to figure this all out on my own, yeah. and you don't, you know. Um, 
the Lord, the Lord's grace is there. The Lord is there, and you know, um, you know, bounce the idea off a priest. It's not weird to just stop him in the sacristy after mass, you know, yeah. or or send an email and say, I'm just thinking about this. Like, what's your advice? You know, um, at least the priest can be praying for them. Yeah. You know, and so I think those are my my would be my two key things. I'm sure other people have said the exact same thing, but it resonates true, right? Mm-hmm. Are we spending time with the Lord in some silence? And like, don't think you have to figure it out on your own, because right. we don't. Yeah. And that the invitation is not always one to something that's awful. <laughs> no. I think sometimes hmm. we think, oh, priesthood, it's going to be awful. How am I ever going to say yes to this? Mm. And uh, I, I know that there's some controversy of people like the chosen or not, but I just like, you know, the call of Jesus on a number of them, and it was like a happy moment. Like, we've been waiting for the Messiah, you know, and if you're waiting for God to break into your life, that should not be a thing of fear or a thing of, what am I going to lose? But like, yeah, God's coming. Like, I was talking the other day at dinner, and it was just like, you know, well, what are you going to do next? Well, I don't know what's going to be happening next year. And I'm like, well, you know, God could come back next year. Who knows? God can come back in the next hour. And I thought hmm. to myself, wouldn't that be awesome if God came back in the next hour? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I didn't have to struggle, <laughs> you know, right. especially, and hopefully right. I just went to confession, you know, so like, <laughs> yeah, right. um, but there's that yeah. hope that, that there is a goodness that is going to come and there's a goodness with a relationship yeah. with Jesus. And the Lord knows us and doesn't invite us into something that, that um, would make us miserable. Yeah. You know? Amen. Amen to that. He knows us. So he, he invites and we can, we can trust that he is not going to, um, you know, uh, give, us, give us a snake when we ask for an egg. You know? Ooh. I've heard that before. I like that. <laughs> I, I think that's a temptation of, yeah. of myself, you know, of all of us to think that, like, oh, I'm facing something difficult you know, or hard or disappointing. And it's like, we have to step back and say like, uh, like, let's just bring this to the Lord and like, let, let, uh, ask for the grace to see, to see how he's working, you know? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in invitation, if the Lord's inviting someone to the, a guide to the priesthood, um, it's because the Lord's going to bring joy in him through that. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. And that's a beautiful, beautiful vocation. Yeah, amen. You, you live it out very joyfully, Father Paul. <laughs> so. Well, we, it's a daily work. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father David, you know, this is sadly, sadly, this is a sad day. This is Father David's last podcast oh. because he's moving on to Rome for the next three, four, five years to get all A's and, and get a doctorate and... What is it? What is it? Dogmatic theology? Dogmatic sacramental theology. Yes. Amazing. Even those words are hard to describe. (laughs) Well, I I got a few years to figure out what that means exactly, you know, so. Um, Yes. No, it, uh, I I know I've said it before on here, but I have really appreciated this uh, opportunity, Father Craig, to uh, to be with you. Uh, For our listeners, Father Craig does all the work on these podcasts, prepping, uh, finding our guests, and I just kind of show up and get to partake. And I really enjoy, it's been very edifying to hear all the stories of the priests. Because, like, we know each other, but, like, Father Paul, I don't know if I've ever heard your story before, you know? And so, uh, as well as we know each other, I think sometimes as priests, we're like, oh, I've told it so many times, I don't want to tell it again. Sure. But oftentimes, we don't know each other's stories of, like, how the Lord worked in our lives. So it's it's been a real 
privilege and an honor to hear so many of those of, of my brothers and many who I, I didn't know uh, how the Lord had, had called them to the ministry. So it's been it's been good to be with you, Father Craig. Uh, it's good to good to be with you today, Father Paul. Great to and, be here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, any prayers that our listeners can send up for me as I, I move on to this new adventure uh, would be greatly appreciated. So, well, and then when I when I visit uh, Rome next May, can I? Uh, That's right. Can we you get can, some you, you can gelato? look me up. We'll, we'll we'll have some gelato or espresso or maybe Perfect. both. You know, so. Perfect. Good. Yeah. good coffee guys. So they get good coffee over there. I hear. So, well, Father David, it's been great having you. And I know I seems like I pick on him, but I don't. I'm just uh, <laughs> really, really excited for him and. I want to brag for him when I tell everybody about all your all A's <laughs> and, and all the good that you're doing. It's because uh, I respect you a lot. So thank you for being a part of this. And um, if we find a new co-host, uh, uh, they have a lot of work to do to to, to step into your role. So Well, uh, well thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, Father, um, first of all, thank you, Father Paul, for Welcome. coming out and, and, and to celebrate this of just recognizing your vocation and sharing that with us and how joyful it actually was to, to hear it. So thank you for that. Welcome. Glad to be here. It's great yeah. to be with both you guys. Yeah. So. Normally we, we ask the guests to do the prayer out, but since this is Father David's last uh, time, we're going to ask Father David to that do the prayer great. for us. <laughs> Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for our vocations to the priesthood. We give you thanks for calling us uh, to follow where you lead. We give you thanks for your provident care for each one of us. Ask your blessing on all of our listeners. Uh, ask your blessing in particular on those young men listening to this who are, uh, who are discerning your will and perhaps uh, praying about and considering a vocation to the priesthood. Lord, may you bless them with confidence. May you help them to, to understand that uh, this is not a riddle they have to solve on their own, uh, but a relationship that you're inviting them into. Uh, I ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon them to give them clarity. Give them peace. Help them to find you in the silence and help them to never grow weary of pursuing you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra, and sadly, well, not, not Father me anymore. David anymore. <laughs> As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.